0: And I think most of you were here last time, but this is part two of a two-parter on family worship, um, and uh, so uh, then the next week we'll begin, I think we're starting our study of the covenants. We're starting our study of and the Covenants next week. Okay, so imagine we'll be getting some reading assignments for that. First two chapters. First two chapters, okay. <laughs> okay, well let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're very thankful that um, we're able to gather in person today. Um, We thank you for the privilege of coming together to study your word and to think about important things, uh, especially about how we work out our faith in our Christian lives. So we pray that you would be with us this morning by your spirit um, to encourage us and challenge us where we need to be challenged, uh, that we might be more conformed to the image of your son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Okay, so um like I said this is the second part of a two two-parter and last time was more the biblical um basis for family worship, the benefits of family worship, um what it is, um <clears throat> and um the the session today is going to be more it's going to be very practical. It's going to be about well, how do you do family worship in your home? And um So I'm gonna start with a really brief review um, for those of you who weren't here last time. Um, We looked at the fact that family worship, particularly in our tradition, our Reformed and Presbyterian tradition, has a rich history, and it's actually described as a duty in our church standards in the directory for worship for the PCA, for instance. Um, We took a look at that, and then the main, uh, takeaway from last time was that we want our lives to be, to be characterized by worship. We are worshipers of our living God and um, our, whole, uh, our whole lives should really be ordered um, to worship him. And um, along with personal devotions and public worship every Lord's Day um, that sets a rhythm for our lives for worship, Family worship is another way of doing that, to provide order in our lives as worshipers. And we looked at um, many of the biblical exhortations that family worship addresses, raising godly families, knowing the word of God, praying, um, praise and singing, and growing in godliness. And uh, we spend a a good deal of time on these. I'm just summarizing here what we covered last time. And... um, Family worship is uh, a way to fulfill many of these biblical exhortations, and I wanted to reemphasize that it's a, a spiritual discipline because it takes work. You have to work at it. You have to do it intentionally, like a lot of the other disciplines that we have in our Christian lives. Then we looked at a lot of reasons for practicing family worship. Um, I've already mentioned this because we're worshipers, that's probably the number one reason, and our lives should be characterized and ordered by worship because we naturally forget to worship or neglect worship. or I said here, worship the wrong things. Um, <clears throat> and then we talked a little bit about how family worship is a way of acknowledging us as God's covenant people and identifying us and setting us apart, just like worship does on the Lord's Day. It sets us apart as God's covenant people. And then it builds godly families in the home, the relationships. We talked a little bit about that, how um, family worship is an excellent way to nurture um, family relationships. And it finally, it promotes a Godward orientation that permeates our homes. So our homes, we want our homes to be Uh, Places where God is center in everything that happens in the home. And when we come together daily for family worship, it's a way of fostering that Godward orientation. And I um, came across this quote by A.W. Pink um, that says, it puts it this way, because the Christian is not his own, but bought with a price, he is to aim at glorifying God in every relation of life. No matter what station he occupies or wherever he be, he is to serve as a witness for Christ. Next to the church of God, his own home should be the sphere of his most manifest devotedness unto him. All its arrangements should bear the stamp of his heavenly calling. All its affairs should be so ordered that everyone entering it should feel God is here. So I thought that expressed well that what we're trying to, what I'm trying to say here about the Godward orientation permeating our homes. Okay, um, so with that, I'm gonna turn to the new material. And um, uh, here, here we're gonna be moving more into the personal um, application. I said last time that I'm gonna talk a lot about what we've done as a family not because I'm holding it up as normative or um, something that everyone should emulate, but really just to have, give an example, just to give an example of how, one way to do family worship. Um, you, some of you might have your own examples um, of how to do thing, You know, good things and bad things about trying to do family worship in the home. And I did want to point out one other thing that uh, from last time is that we have to remember what we said about situations last time. We have a lot of different situations represented here even in this room. We've got, you know, families with kids. We've got families, post um, couples post kids. We have single people, younger people, older people. Um, there's a variety of situations. Um, and I'm kind of targeting family worship towards, you know, a, a, a family group. But, but you'll need to make adjustments for your own situation, uh, depending on what your home situation is. Hopefully some of that will be obvious. I'll try to point some of that out along the way when I have opportunity. Um, <clears throat> so there's two principles that um, I wanted to highlight for long-term consistency. I mentioned last time that one of my goals, has always been to achieve long-term consistency because that's not something that we were able to achieve in my home growing up. We we went with fits and starts and never really could keep it going. Um, So a lot of what I'm saying today is is really focused on getting a rhythm for long-term success. And it really comes down to these two principles of prioritization and flexibility. And here I'm entering, obviously entering into a little bit of opinion. Um, I'm providing my opinion of how you achieve long-term consistency. You might have other ways of doing this in your own home. Um, but these two things I found through our experience of you know 20, 20 years with the kids doing family worship um, as being important. And prioritization is really the number one thing And if if you prioritize correctly, then you also, it also opens the door for a lot of flexibility, which then helps you maintain the long-term consistency. So in terms of prioritization, um, I think probably if you looked at most people that do not do family worship, prioritization is probably one of the number one reasons it's neglected. And, and the reason for that is pretty obvious. There's a lot of legitimate pursuits, um, and a lot of legitimate pulls on our time in our in our lives. In a in a lot of ways, it's very uh, more demanding than it was, say, a hundred years ago, or two hundred years ago. Um, we've got work, we've got um, schoolwork, we've got athletics, we've got friends for the kids, um, all kinds of legitimate pursuits that put demands on our time. But, but what we have to recognize is when we, so a common uh, concern that I listed last time was that we don't have enough time to do family worship. And we have to recognize that when we're saying we don't have enough time for family worship, what we're really saying is we haven't prioritized family worship we've prioritized other demands on our times above family worship. So it's not, you know, it's not that we don't have time typically, it's that we've prioritized other things ahead of family worship. And then by the time we get to family worship down the list, there's no time left. So that's another way that's been helpful for me to think about it. And leadership by the head of the household here is critical to prioritization. Um, if the head of the household is not willing to make it a priority, it's not going to happen. Um, and uh, we talked a little bit about the responsibility of the head of the household last time, but making it a priority is one of the things that that is super important for whoever it is in the family that's leading family worship. Um, and. Um, it really boils down to discipline, to tough discipline. Um, you, you just have to do it, and you have to stick to it. You have to have the fortitude and the discipline to do it. Um, <clears throat> so when we think about prioritization, I'd like to ask everyone here if you have, and I'm not asking you to answer this, um, just um, do you have to readjust your priorities in your home? to be able to fit family worship in as a priority. Hopefully last session, I, convinced, I tried to convince you that you ought to make it a priority, <laughs> um, that it's an important thing in our lives. So this is where kind of the rubber meets the road today. Um, do you have to make adjustments in your home? And, I, and I'm, I'm speaking from experience, we had to make adjustments in our priorities in our home to be able to sustain the long-term consistency. So I'll just throw that out there for you, um, but I'd like to encourage you to think about your priorities and then get into the discipline of sticking to it. If you have your priorities straight and you've made family worship a priority, then that really opens the door up to flexibility. Um, And I've found in in our experience, being flexible is really the key to maintaining an ability to keep it going. Um, and um, if you're, to give a counter example to that, if you're very rigid and unbending, no matter what circumstances are going on in your home at the time, that's really, really can have a, a negative impact on maintaining long-term consistency um <clears throat> there i mean you it 's pretty obvious how that can happen if you're if you 're distracted or rushed it 's not going to lead for it it's not going to lead to a a good family worship time um, It can even foster it can even go beyond that and foster longer term resentment of family worship um in it, making it a burden rather than a joy. It's like, oh, I've got all this stuff I need to do and we have to do family worship. Um, so it might sound counterintuitive to my previous point of prioritization, but it actually goes together. Um, but sometimes it might be better to actually forego family worship in order to achieve that long-term consistency. And if you've got your, pri- if you don't have your priorities straight, that can be a problem, right? Like, well, we're too busy tonight to do family worship. Okay, well, then tomorrow night, well, we're too busy to do family worship. And it can, you know, you can lead to, well, then you'll never end up doing it, or you won't do it very consistently. But if you have your, your priorities straight and set ahead of time, you've made family worship a priority, then, you know, in our, in our experience, it's okay to skip a night if there's all these things going on in the home that are demanding your attention. So um, <clears throat> there's things like maybe people are missing, maybe something came up, um, maybe there's some pressing need. So maybe you don't want to skip family worship, but you want to um, make it shorter, um, cut out. You know, just do a shorter time um, of family worship. And when when that's happened in our home, I'm going to talk next here about the elements. Um, or in a few minutes about the elements of family worship, but in our home, whenever we've been pressed for time, we have a we have a priority within family worship. We always pray. We can always make time for prayer, and then, you know, we'll do like a short Bible study, and then usually singing is the thing that gets lopped off. <laughs> I'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But if we're pressed for time. Sometimes we have to make adjustments like that. And in our family situation, that has made it so that we're able to maintain the long-term consistency because we haven't, well, my kids are all here, they could tell you. Um, But they, I don't think we've developed, any of them have developed a resentment to family worship or a reluctance to do it. Um, (laughs) they're, They're all looking at me with goofy looks on their faces, so. Um, So, um, flexibility is not an excuse to make a habit of skipping but it is a way of not worrying about having to adjust to circumstances if you can put it in those terms and that will look different for every family I think. Um, So, next thing on any questions or comments about that? Yep. Yeah, and that's that's the point I was trying to make in the reasons for doing it with the but I hadn't tied it in my mind to prioritization. That's a excellent point. Yeah, because we're worshipers and because we belong to the Lord. It ought to be a priority for us. Yeah, thanks Scott. Okay, I'm going to uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I know exactly what you're what you mean by that, Greg. Um, I my own opinion is that once a week is not enough, because it doesn't put you in the rhythm of worshiping as a family every day. Um, but we we I think when the kids were younger, we did it every day. We didn't do it on Sundays because we were in church. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about when and how long here actually it's the next point but in our in our later years when the kids were older i think we've settled into a monday through thursday because we had a lot of things going on on friday nights typically people going to youth group and things like that so we've kind of settled into a longer term thing of four times a week and that that's different when we're on vacation or something Um, I'll talk a little bit about that, too, but I think it's, you know, ideally it's good to do it every day, at least during the weekdays, I think, um, but uh, that's where the time, how long you're taking to do it and all that, which is my next point here, so I'll just go right into that. Um, a natural question comes up, what, what is the time? Um, when, when do you do it? How long should you do it? Um And I kind of already just said what we do we we 've tried i think this is this is where it really gets family specific on especially when you want to do it and how long um, This is an area where growing up my fam my parents were never really able to find a time that worked for everybody and um what what we 've tried to do is we 've always tried to eat together as a family for dinner and so that's a time you know earlier earlier on i'm leaving i'd leave for work before anybody else was up in the house and so the morning is wasn't going to work for us so we but we're all in the home together in the evening that might be backwards for some people some people might be more together in the morning um and i mentioned last time the puritan practice was twice a day family worship morning and evening so um you know, there's different times that work for people. We've tried to eat together as a family, and because we're all together as a family, we just kind of extend that block of time when we're all there, and we typically go right to family worship right after dinner. We just clean the table off, go into the other room for family worship, and that's what we still do today. So it takes advantage of having everyone present. It avoids that, you know, we in the past we maybe came together later in the evening, and that was a problem because we couldn't, you know, everybody goes off and gets started on stuff and we couldn't get everybody back together again easily. So we kind of have just settled on this pattern. And we did do, um, when the kids were younger in particular, Cynthia would do a, a devotional time with them in the morning when I was, when I was at work. So, um, but that, I would consider that more like the personal devotion time. They were, then the kids are too young to be doing it themselves. So that's more like the pers- on the personal devotion side. And I talked last week, um, I didn't mention this in my review, but family worship is not a substitute for personal devotions. Um, you should really be, you, you need your own time in the Word and meditation and thinking about things and praying as well. Um, what's the right duration? Who knows, you know. Um, Our practice has been 30 minutes is kind of about what we, I think what we average probably. Sometimes if we're pressed for time, we'll do it shorter and we'll cut something out. Um, But we also likewise, the other way is we don't feel that, we don't feel pressure if we're discussing something important and it goes on for 45 minutes. Um, I don't know, it might have gone on for an hour sometimes. Um, So, that's a, that would be unusual. I don't think that would be sustainable, at least not in our home. So kind of 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes I think is a, a reasonable time to set. Um, and then that brings us to inevitably, I was thinking about ideally, we have this picture in our mind of what family worship should look like ideally, but it never looks like that really. There's always things coming up, probably at least once a week in our home, there's a, a non-standard situation that comes up. Um, some of those things might be um, you're pressed for, for time. Um, there's something going on, there's some, somebody has to be somewhere. So what we've done there is we just, we're flexible and we keep it short if we have to. We always, I mentioned this before, we always try to pray and then study and then sing. Um, sometimes there's people absent. Some of the family is not there at all. Um our practice there is do it anyway um and we sometimes we would adjust the content if somebody is missing because if there was continuity required for a study that we were doing or something like that we would just do something else while that person was absent um sometimes the the leader of family worship might be absent and my amp- answer there is do it anyway without the leader and just Adjust, read the Bible out loud, do something like that. Um, you might have visitors in your home. Um, again, do it anyway. <laughs> um, we, uh, One of Olivia's friends was over um, the last, actually, I think he's been with us twice recently for family worship, but the first time he was here, um, we went ahead and had family worship, and he came up to me afterwards and was talking to me about it. And I said, oh yeah, sometimes when we have a lot of friends over, we just don't, we don't do it because it's too hard to get everybody together. And his comment to me was, that's even more reason to do it. You should, the the more the better. (laughs) This is from a teenager who was visiting our home. So that was an encouragement to me (laughs) to make sure you're always doing it, even if there's visitors there. And we've had many times with visitors present that it's been a real blessing to have family worship. And people have commented, to us about how, how much they enjoyed spending the time with us. Another unusual situation, traveling. Um, this was something that we we went on a lot of cross-country trips as a family. Um, so it's not always possible to do it. Um, but on the other hand, we had a lot of time in the car. <laughs> so we would always fit in family worship time, you know, Bible reading, prayer, and things like that uh, in the car while we're traveling. Um, so you have to be ready to adjust to unusual situations. And you should probably have a little bit of a plan. Like when when I know that there's gonna be visitors in our home, I'm already thinking like, oh, what are we doing for family worship this evening? You know, And what's the subject that we're doing? Maybe I should adjust it. We had another visitor here um, a few weeks ago from college, and he actually, he and Brendan together, requested that we do a quick study of covenant theology because he was interested in learning covenant theology. So we adjusted. We took two or three days and did a quick um, crash course on covenant theology. So just be you know aware, think ahead, and be don't be caught by surprise. If you are caught by surprise, you know have a be flexible and adjust to it. Okay, um, the, just a few other practical suggestions. Um, This is just a few things that came to mind. There's many other things, but if you feel unqualified to lead family worship, this is one of the hindrances I mentioned last time, just keep it simple. Um, There's no need to feel overwhelmed if you feel unqualified. Um, Read a Bible passage and talk about it in terms of um, your study time. Uh, Table Talk Magazine is a great resource for that. Just read the Table Talk with the scripture references, and it lays it all out for you, and then discuss it. It's pretty easy to do. If you um, are reading through passages of scripture that are difficult, you might get questions from your kids that you can't answer. One of my theology professors um, said that the worst, the most challenging questions you get are from the kids, You know, and and it's true, it it happens. If you're not able to answer it, say I'll get back to you with that and go ask somebody. (laughs) Go ask an elder, ask a pastor, how do do I answer this? Um, You don't have to feel like you need to go do a bunch of theological study yourself to answer it. Ask for help. Um, That's what I always do (laughs) when I get in trouble is I ask for help. Um, Another thing. Adjust it for age, uh, age, we've got a lot of different ages here um, represented. This can be challenging if you're raising a family that has a lot of different ages in it. But we just kind of tried to shoot for the middle. So it was challenging for the younger people um, and maybe it was a little easy for the oldest person there but then we would challenge the oldest person to do more like explaining of what we're saying. Um, to almost like help with the teaching, Um, draw out the implications, apply it, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of ways to make make whatever you're studying age appropriate. Another thing that came to mind is incorporate variety. Um, One thing that can also be a, a downer for family worship is getting into a rut and just doing the same thing over and over again. Um, it is good to do that in some ways, to develop the discipline and the expectation and the c- continuity. But what we would do is we would, we would pause to do, like this, I just gave this example of covenant theology. We would pause to address things as they came up. We would take a detour. Um, something like that came up in our study of the Bible that maybe was a little bit of a rabbit trail. We would take it. Take the rabbit trail. Um, Uh, things that are going on in the church, um, theological topics, cultural things that are coming up. Um, And we would would often pause to study or discuss current issues within the life of the family. Um, Things that maybe issues that the kids were facing, things that had come up in their lives with their friends. Um, we, We have a lot of friends that are not of the same theological persuasion as us. And so um, we, w- we wanted our kids to be equipped to be able to handle those differences um, and to understand them first of all, but then to be able to handle them and talk about them. So whenever those things would come up, we would, we would talk about it and really just try to impart biblical wisdom. Um, <clears throat> And then the final thing is incorporate service opportunities. This is something that we've done on occasion. Um, It provides great opportunities to focus on service opportunities um, by praying about it, making it a focus of prayer, talking about it, and even actually doing it, like filling the shoeboxes or writing cards to missionaries. You can do that, incorporate that into your family worship time. Um, it's a good opportunity to um, do, do those, those things that are going to gonna take time out of your life. Um, you can do it together as a family. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say on logistics. I can see I'm a, way behind where I wanted to be, so I'm going to just keep plugging on um, and talk about the elements of family worship. And, and here I'm really going to just be describing what we've done Um, and you can make adjustments for your own um, uh, home. Um, Prayer. So I'm going to go in the order of prayer, singing, and study because there's a lot more stuff on the study side to talk about, um, and I want to make sure we get through all of them. So I'm going to start with prayer. Um, As I mentioned before, prayer is... Um, We've made prayer the highest priority, so if we're pressed for time, we always try to gather together and pray. Um, And there's many different ways to organize prayer. Um, You're probably aware of the the different models um, for prayer. Um, Acts um, is the one that I remember from, you know, I don't even know what it stands for. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Did I get that right? There's others similar to that. If you pray, pray with um, pastor, you know, he has, a, he has a, a set pattern where he goes in um, concentric circles, I guess, going in, right? As, so there's lots of different ways you can organize prayer. And if you think you're getting into a rut, mix it up. Do, do different things. Um, so uh, that's just, you know, something that you're going to need to work out in your own home. The topics for prayer well, there's endless topics for prayer, and to be honest, you know we we could pray for hours and hours uh, if we really um addressed all the topics that there are for prayer. most of us don't have that kind of time um, and we we want to keep it to a manageable section. so what we do is um, you know we we try to have uh, some elements of praise and thanksgiving, adoration. Um, One thing I found there is that, especially for for children, it's good to have maybe a focus point for that if you're gonna pray um, that we I mean, we pray that way generally, but sometimes for the younger kids, it's good to have a focus um, of how to do prayer um, in terms of praise and thanksgiving. And then there's regular needs of the church that are always in our prayer um, rotation. The church, family, um, we have a large extended family, so we've often rotated like who we're praying for. Um, The nation, missionaries, um, you can always make use of the bulletin. Um, Our bulletin every week has a family of the week, and a missionary of the week, and a persecuted church of the week. So you can just use that, if, you, if nothing else, to set your prayer pattern. Um, and then sp- there's always special needs that come up. Um, nearly every day there's some special need that we, we wanna pray for. So topics for prayer um, is good. I, I recommend that you consider keeping a prayer list or a prayer log. Um We haven't done that all the time. Where, where we've tended to do it is when the prayer requests were getting really long and hard to remember, we would start writing them all down, especially longer term needs. We would try to we would tend to lose track of the ongoing perennial prayer needs. Um, they kind of fall off the radar screen after a while. Um, <clears throat> so keeping a prayer list is is good for that. Um, and it also allows you to record answers to prayer um, in your prayer log. Um, who should pray? Um, my answer is everyone should pray. <laughs> everyone in the home should pray. There's lots of different ways of organizing that. You can go around to do short prayers by everybody. Um, we've done that sometimes. Our practice has usually been to break up our family in half and um, one day half of them pray, the next day the other half pray and that's kind of how we've rotated back and forth, Um, two or three people praying at a time in longer, longer prayers. Um, You can just have one long prayer, have one one person pray. There's lots of different ways to do that but I would encourage everyone to pray and get the kids involved young um, so that they learn how to pray and, um, and that brings me to my, um, I think, my final point on prayer is prayer time is also can be viewed as a time of instruction for our kids and improvement for all of us. Um, <clears throat> I think we all have room for improvement in prayer. And our homes should be households of prayer, and especially the parents and the leaders should strive to be better in prayer. Um, we should instruct our children um one another thing with kids that we've noticed is it's really easy for kids to um pray for things for prayer requests it's it please God help this person help that person. It's harder to get them to do the praise and the adoration um because that, that really takes a, a level of spiritual maturity, I think, um, that doesn't maybe come as naturally as just asking for things. So that's, a, that's an area where parents can really help to instruct the children on how to pray more generally to praise or more generally for God's kingdom. And then finally, we learn to pray by praying and by hearing other people pray well. And um, it's not something that just happens without effort. And so um, it's something that we need to work at. I think all of us, like I said, have room for improvement there and can continue to grow in um, our our maturity in prayer. Um, I was going to cover resources at the end, but I think I'm going to just cram it in now. Um, I've got a handout up here for anybody that wants it that has resources for family worship and all of the different categories. Um, and on prayer, there's, there's, there's probably hundreds of books on prayer out there. My personal experience has been that it, they're not that helpful. <laughs> I don't know if I'm alone in that. But um, <clears throat> um, there, what I would do is if you're interested in resources on prayer, I'd ask a pastor for, rec- for their top recommendations. Um, I found two books. I put two on here that I found particularly helpful. Um, one of them is by Douglas Kelly. It's entitled "If God Already Knows, Why Pray?" Which I think is a question that a lot of us have sometimes when we're praying. Um, and so it's it's written by a Presbyterian um, seminary professor and pastor. Um, the other one, which uh, the other one I liked, is Paul Miller, "A Praying Life." Um, I know the women have used that in in their Uh, book study time. Uh, That's probably the most memorable and practical book I've read on prayer, and it really is developing, I guess you would tell by the title, it's developing a life of prayer, like so that you're praying um, regularly. There's lots of other books out there, some of them are pretty good. Um, If you're interested in reading about prayer, I would suggest that you ask one of our pastors for a recommendation. Um, Moving on to the next uh, topic here. The next element of family worship is singing. Um, uh, I'm I'm, uh, trying to adjust in my mind what to do here because I'm 20 minutes behind where I thought I would be. I'm going to have to cut some stuff out. Um, Singing, maybe I'll cut out a lot on singing here. Um, It presents... Singing presents a lot more challenges, I think, than um, than prayer does. We can; it's it's pretty easy for all of us to pray. Um, it's a little harder um, to sing, um, but it does present many opportunities. Opportunities it presents opportunities to um, learn learn our hymns in our hymnal. Um, when we know the hymns, we're able to sing them more confidently, and also to focus more on what the words are saying, if you're, if, if you're not trying to just learn the tune. Um, I'm sure some of you have discovered that just in singing in church. Um, we found that singing out of the hymnal at home is a good way to be better singers in church. Um, <clears throat> it really helps us to memorize hymns and lyrics. Um, I'm continually astounded at, you know, when you're reading a book or you're hearing a sermon, and a pastor includes an appropriate stanza from a hymn, that obviously they they weren't researching that. It was in their heads, and it came to mind while they were preparing their sermon. And um, that's something that I've um, envied, (laughs) that I would be able to do that more, bring hymn lyrics more to bear. Um, So singing hymns at home daily is a way to help with that. And then, of course, it helps us to become better singers. Um, our family has used that time to try to learn to sing parts for hymns. Um, and so it's a great time to be able to do that. Um, <clears throat> we typically start out with singing because we th- we found that it, it sets a good mood for worship, for family worship time. Um, sometimes we have to re- relocate, too. So if we're, like, by the by an instrument like the piano, um, we, you know, we'll you gather there and sing with the piano and then move to wherever we're going. Um, we do use the Trinity hymnal, we do use a piano. We have people that can play the piano, sometimes a guitar, sometimes a cappella. And usually when we're learning the parts actually, our test of whether we know them or not is to go a without without it. And then we can tell if we really know the parts or not. Um, we have done contempor- favorite contemporary hymns or songs at times, children's songs when the kids are younger. There's lots of resources out there for that. We sing Christmas carols leading up to Christmas. Um, and you know there's just a lot of variety that you can uh, include for singing. Um, instruments are good, but if you're instrument challenged in your home, there you can sing acapella and there's also other um, resources out there. Um, if you're singing acapella, it's good to have a, a starting tone, either from an instrument or from an app. Now I think you can have an app that does that, that starts you out on the right um, note. Um, there's lots of accompaniment resources. If you're in the home and you're, you don't play an instrument or maybe you're a single person and you'd like to sing um, on, the, on the sheet here on the handout, um, I've got some resources listed. The Trinity Hymnal, um, on the OPC website, there are two resources available to have the, tr- the hymns played for you. One of them is um, just right online. You can bring up the lyrics and hit the play button and it will play a piano accompaniment to the entire hymn, all the verses. So that's an easy way to do it if you don't have an instrument in your home. Um, there's also downloadable files that have organ accompaniment to all the hymns in the Trinity hymnal. Um, for free, you can download that at the OPC website as well in MIDI or MP3 format. There's other uh, online resources that I've listed here that I won't go through right now in the, uh, because of our time. Um, <clears throat> there's lots of resources out there to have hymns that you sing along with if you don't have a musical accompaniment available, and uh that I'm kind of skipping over here that brings us to um, Bible study, and our goal for Bible study has been to um, first of all instill knowledge of the scriptures um, and then uh what we've what we've done in our home is really gone heavy on Bible reading and Bible study while the kids were growing up because we really wanted them to have a good foundation. Um, And then as they got older we moved into more application of the Bible, some theological topics, some application um, and uh, that's just kind of the way we've done it. The narrative study Bible, the narrative story Bibles are very helpful when the kids are young. I've got a bunch of show and tell stuff up here that I'm not going to have time to go through. But one of our favorites is the Children's Story Bible by Catherine Voss. It's basically, you can see it's a pretty big book and it's pretty, it's all text. There's, there's some artwork in it, but it's not a picture Bible. Um, it's basically a paraphrase of the entire Bible for younger kids. And we went through this multiple times. There's other, um, actually Corey, Steel brought this to our attention. It's called The Biggest Story by Kevin DeYoung. And it's it's a very sparse retelling of the entire history or the story of redemption um, with a lot of colorful artwork. So this is a a really cool new kind of resource available. Um, There's another one that I forgot to bring called the Jesus Story Bible. Um, I think I have it on here. The Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones. And it's a paraphrase retelling of the Bible story also for younger children, I would say. But um, I I actually was rereading it this week in preparation for this. And it really is good in terms of connecting how the whole Bible is about Jesus. Um, So that's a good resource that people have recommended to us that we ended up using the, my, our final family favorite is Dangerous Journey. This is a wonderful short version of Pilgrim's Progress with fantastic artwork and it retains the original language too. So this is a family favorite. You can see it's all falling apart. We've used this many times. It's good for adults too. <laughs> it's it's a great resource. Um, but, um, So there's some resources on on Bible. Um, We've done a lot of different things during our study time. Um, Bible study. We've studied the Westminster Confession of Faith. We've studied various topics in theology that came up um, in our kids' lives. Um, Eschatology, for example. If questions come up in the the lives of our kids, we'll follow that rabbit trail, like I mentioned before. and then it also provides, this time um, also provides an excellent opportunity to study the catechism. Um, we've incorporated it a time to recite either scripture memory or catechism answers um, that we were memori- memorizing. And um, it's. I think it's really important to memorize the catechism. Um, because it's such a helpful guide to the Bible, to biblical theology. Um, but you can use the catechism actually as your content for family worship too, or the confession, either, either way, or use them together. Um, if you're looking for, a, for material, it's, you have that rich resource right there. It's very easy to just read a section in the confession and then just discuss it with your kids or with your family. Or if you're an adult, study it in more depth. There's um, a number of resources available for that. Um, two, two that we've used. Um, one of them is called Training Hearts, Teaching Minds by Star Mead. Um, it's published by PNR. This is a short daily devotional based on the shorter Catechism. It's pretty good. It's really short. Every it has something for every day. Um, a scripture reading and then basically just talking about one of the catechism questions in plain English. Um, one downside to it is it uses the modern version, translation of the, or tra- modern, ver- modern language version of the catechism, but you don't have to use that. You can use the, the original language and still use the devotional aspect. Um, probably still, I, my favorite for the catechism is still GI Williamson. It's kind of uh, primitive in a way in the way it's published in the artwork. Here's a good example right here (laughs) of the kind of artwork you get. Um, But it's really practical and he really hits all the important topics. Um, And it's got study questions. (coughs) It's an excellent resource for family worship. It's in one volume now. It used to be in two volumes. Um, And um, so Cat, uh, incorporating catechism is a great way to do, a um, great thing to do in family worship. And then discussion, I've mentioned this. Family worship provides an excellent, safe context to discuss the things that are coming up in our lives and really to bring big, biblical wisdom um, to bear on those uh, topics as they come up. So these are just some bullets that summarize that. Um, <clears throat> I guess I'll just uh finish off here. I know we're out of time. Um just a couple other resources to make you aware of some of the things that we've done. We've um let me get to my uh the right place in my outline here. Um <clears throat> for Bible study You can always use um, commentaries. If you're leading worship and you wanna be more um, thoroughly equipped to do it, you can always um, use commentaries. Again, ask a pastor for recommendations. Um, There's devotional commentaries that are good for reading aloud during family worship. Um, Things like Living Life Backwards, which is a book that a lot of us are familiar with recently. Um, William Hendrickson's More Than Conquerors is a a version of Revelation. It's a commentary on Revelation that's really devotional. Um, Those kind of things are easy to read aloud. There's lots of study guides available. Um, One of the ones that I like, if you're doing a particular book, is the Let's Study series by Banner of Truth. This one is Philippians by Sinclair Ferguson. They're short. chapters that are are easily um, incorporated for family worship there's study questions at the back it's really a good bible study resource that you can incorporate there's lots of other um, things to do out there for that as well Um, book studies we've done a lot of book studies over the years probably our favorite is pilgrim's progress Um, there's endless Opportunities to talk about biblical truth by reading through Pilgrim's Progress, and we've read through it m- multiple times. Um, the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis stuff is excellent for family worship. The Chronicles of Narnia, the Screw Tape Letters is really good. Short chapters that are just have penetrating insight into the nature of sin and temptation. They're excellent for reading aloud. I'm I'm not exactly sure how much of this we've done in family worship in just. Family reading time. <laughs> I'm I'm getting them a, a little bit mixed up. We, we read books together as a fam- have read a lot of books together as a family as well. Missionary stories is something that maybe doesn't come to mind when you think about family worship. I was raised on the Jungle Doctor stories, which were um, the experiences of Paul White, an Australian missionary in Africa. Um, but there's a lot of um, more recent books. This, was, this one's a well known one for Presbyterians, King of the Cannibals. Um, this is a new book um, published by friends of ours that just came out um, by Nate Gordon, Airborne at the End of the Earth. There's short missionary chapters on jungle aviation and Papua. Um, these are excellent resources for family worship if you want to inculcate a love for missions and prayer for missionaries. And then finally, um, just talk about the video series that are out there. Ligonier Ministries has tons of stuff out there. Um, This is their catalog. You can get a copy of their catalog. It's filled with resources for family worship. All kinds of Bible study material. And one thing that we like to do with Ligonier is use their teaching series on video. So um, we've used a lot of their teaching series. We've used... um, uh, Sinclair Ferguson's uh, Sermon on the Mount, Basics of the Christian Life. We've been through the entire Westminster Confessions series by John Gerstner, which is a lot of fun. If you guys know who John Gerstner is, he's quite a character. Um, uh, and uh, those are on YouTube for free. So go, if you go to, go to Ligonier's website, they have all of their resources there. But if you go to their YouTube channel, they have tons of stuff out there for free. Um, and the entire Westminster Confession course by Gerstner is is on YouTube for free. Um, <clears throat> so those are great for gathering together as a family, watch 15 minutes or so, and then discuss it. That's kind of what our pattern has been, using those video resources. Um, uh, let's see, I think there was one other thing I was gonna say about that, but I'm it's slipping my mind. Um, Oh, they have another series out there recently. It's, I think this is on YouTube, too. It's called Ask Ligonier. And what they do is they put a theologian up on the stage and basically sit there and ask him questions, almost like reader reader call-in questions about the Bible, theology. They're really fun to, to listen to. They've got Sinclair Ferguson, Stephen Nichols, um, uh, the Scottish guy's name is, uh, is eluding me right now. Um, no, uh, it'll come back to me later. Um, there's there's uh, lots of different theologians that they do Q and A with, so that's another thing to look out look out for. There's lots of other online resources out there, um, but they require discernment. So, if you're getting an online resource and it's not by a reputable Presbyterian Reform source, you might want to ask a pastor for, you know, who is this person and is this a worthwhile thing for me to do? Um, That's right. (laughs) Matt, what do you think? Yeah, go for it. I'm We'll start that tonight. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that I had to skip over a lot of material and go really fast. I I want to close with a, um, I want to read a paragraph from this book that is really good. If you're interested in family worship, James W. Alexander, Thoughts on Family Worship. This is one of my favorites. It's, like I said last time, It's has a J.C. Ryle kind of feel. It's edifying just reading the material, um, but, He's got a quote here from Reverend James Hamilton. And I just want to read this out loud because it, it has to do with the legacy of family worship. He says, the happiest family will not always be so. The most smiling circle will be in tears someday. All that I ask is that you would secure for yourselves and your children a friend in that blessed redeemer who will wipe all tears from your faces. Your families may soon be scattered and familiar voices may cease to echo within your walls. They may go each to his own and some of them may go far away. Oh, see to it that the God of Bethel goes with them, that they set up an altar even on a distant shore and sing the Lord's song in that foreign land. They may be taken from this earth altogether and leave you alone. Oh, see to it that as one after another goes, it may be to their father's house above, and to sing with heavenly voices and a heavenly harp the song which they first learned from you, and which you often sang together here, the song of Moses and the Lamb. And if you are taken, and some of them are left, see to it that you leave them the thankful assurance that you have gone to their father and your father, their God and your God. And in the meanwhile, let your united worship be so frequent and so fervent that when you are taken from their head, the one whose sad office it is to supply your place as priest of that household shall not be able to select a chapter or a psalm with which your living image and voice are not associated, and in which you, though dead, are not yet speaking to them. And thus my heart's wish for you all is, when soon or late you reach that coast or life's rough ocean driven, may you rejoice no wanderer lost, a family in heaven. So I'll just close with that, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, that is our prayer, that um, our legacy would be uh, that we were lovers of you and worshipers of you, not by anything that we did, but by your amazing grace to us in our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you would build godly families in this church. We pray that you would help each one of us to be better worshipers of you, We pray that you would give us the discipline and the fortitude that it requires to practice our Christianity daily in our lives and in our families. Uh, We pray that you would um, constantly draw our attention and our uh, affections to our Savior and that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and as we put away our, our feebleness and our sin, Um, mortifying the flesh to become more and more conformed to the image of our Savior. We pray now that you would bless our time um, as we come to worship you in a few moments. Uh, We pray that we would be good hearers of your word and that that our worship would be pleasing in your sight. And it's in the name of our Savior we ask these things. Amen. I have stuff up here if anybody's interested in looking at samples. Oh, and I also have hand out some.